Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Best ball season is approaching. The NFL season is less than two weeks away. We have limited time to draft our teams, and we've probably drafted a ton of the same teams over and over and over. So what better time to bring on uh, a hot take, another galaxy brain friend of mine, CJ Kaltenbach, a.k.a. The Siege, who was dropping the Drew Locke nuggets that I'm definitely going to question him on here as thousands of people on Twitter have. But I'm excited to draft another million-dollar winning team today on Underdog Fantasy. Siege, thank you for joining me. Thank you for thank you for setting this up so perfectly with with the Broncos situation. It's the perfect lead into a, a Siege hot take hot take show. Thanks for thanks for joining. Yeah, hot take gone wrong, huh? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, that what is really funny. I I will say, you know, the logic behind that. I mean, I couldn't possibly agree more with like what your logic was on this on this. It doesn't make any sense to me why they would you know, pass on Justin Fields and then and then start Teddy. I don't think that that makes any sense. But unfortunately, NFL teams <laughs> rarely seem to do the thing that like 99.9% of the world thinks is is logical. My only regret is that Teddy Bridgewater, after the second preseason game, was plus 400 and it was going up like every like five minutes. The line was to, to get the first snap. And I looked at myself and went, God, you are so all in on this Drew Lock thing. Maybe it's a nice time to throw a hedge in. And then, you know, it went up to like 425, 450. And I was like, no, like clearly someone's got there. Someone's got this. No. Yeah. Yeah. It, that, that, is a, that is a pretty good point. Like, and it's a, the perfect uh, like example of like overreact. I'm not saying you were overreacting, but like the market overreacting to a handful of snaps in a preseason game, right? If KJ Hamler doesn't break wide open and Drew Lock makes one good one good throw there like how much does it because Teddy played well like you know well for Teddy in in the first preseason game but we were enamored you know the market was enamored with with what Drew Locke was doing and it's like how many of those such you know that's just one example of how many of these situations that we've seen in the preseason where everybody's is kind of freaking out 
Yeah, I mean, I could just go right back and be like, well, you're just enamored with a few snaps of Teddy in the preseason, right? It's true. You, just, you never know. You just have no idea what you're walking into. So I have to be honest, I think it's actually been good for me because it's now allowed me to just reset my opinion of the Denver Broncos. And I think my love of Drew Locke actually might have had me walking into a major trap in terms of this offense. So I, this might be a blessing in disguise. Yeah, that's that, that that that's interesting because, like, I'm kind of you know similar to to you, right? I mean, it's easy to see. Look at all the weapons that that a team like the Broncos have, um, and they're all fairly affordable in in drafts, which I'm sure we'll get into in a little bit. But now it's a very different dynamic. Not even just from Teddy being in there, right? Like, not not even just the difference between Locke and Teddy in terms of like the upside of the offense, but also like like you've kind of made the point. Think about now how the coaches are viewing this situation, right? Like they're handicapping themselves and they have a defensive head coach that is playing for his job and and wanting a guy to to not make mistakes. And that's what Teddy is going to do, which then in turn hurts the ceiling of this offense that I I think has like a a ton of ceiling. And it's not like Teddy is this, like he's got a lot of interceptions on his record. You yep. know, it's not exactly like he he's this in, like last year he had a 15 to 11 touchdown to interception ratio in Joe Brady's offense. And now he's going to Pat Shermer and we're expecting I I, I just there's a disconnect now between what Teddy Bridgewater has done his entire career outside of a four game sample in New Orleans and where we're drafting all these Denver guys. And yep. you know, interceptions are not bad for fantasy. They're really not. They like you. It generates you fall behind, and you and then you have to throw more. We saw this with Jameis Winston, right? He threw thirty interceptions and still finished as a top ten quarterback that season because he had to keep throwing because he got them behind. So you know, it, yeah, I definitely have done a kind of I, I don't want to use a religious term, but like a come to Jesus moment on this Denver offense, being like, okay, like I don't think they're anything what I thought they were going to be. So. Yeah, I'm really intrigued. I haven't done a best ball mania since kind of the Denver. I kind of took 24 hours to get a root canal, which was a perfect day for that. You know, just put all the bad things in one day, just get them all done. And then, you know, I was like, all right, I'm just going to kind of reset and kind of see where they actually start falling. So this will be interesting. Yeah. So before we hop into a draft, I'm going to piggyback off of that. Is there any other situation similar to this where like maybe your opinions have changed, not even just necessarily in the last, you know, few days, but over the course of preseason or whatever where you you really you know maybe had a team you were bullish on or the opposite a team you were you were bearish on that you've kind of flip-flopped yeah so i've done the the roller coaster with carson wentz and indy thing uh (laughs) you know i i was uh, as a notre dame guy i was the high man on michael Pittman. like i i would i actually was having a look at my rankings last night and i asked myself like am i sure that michael Pittman isn't better than Cortland sutton you know, to kind of just like take a dichotomy of like two players, one that's moving down and one that's moving up. So I've done the yo-yo with the Colts for sure. I think the team that I've kind of just become a little bit more higher on is Miami. I was always a little bit high on them, but every time I look at two of practice videos and I know it's a small sample, but he wasn't supposed to play last year. And I am just getting all the vibes of Jared Goff rookie season under a bad coaching staff to then the year two when Sean McVay came in and it was like night and day. Like, if you can't rotate your hip and throw a football, you're probably not going to be good. So I kind of just want to, like, pretend last year never happened with Miami and draft them as if, you know, it was like a redshirt season. Yeah, Miami is definitely one of the teams I'm, like, probably have the highest exposure to, you know, obviously the 49ers and and, and a couple other teams I'm very high on, the Cowboys, like everybody, but those aren't really big shockers. But 
I, the, the Dolphins thing, I couldn't agree more. Like, how is Tua supposed to be successful, first of all, getting into, you know, in a pandemic season with, with no preseason, coming off a major coming off a major injury? The team didn't even want to start him, right? His coaches didn't even want to start him. And he was like, Devontae Parker is fine. Mike Kosicki is fine. You know, I guess Miles Gaskin is fine. But the offensive line was terrible, and he was throwing to, you know, they, they were bringing in, like, scrub wide receivers to try to throw to right even Preston Williams got hurt like that they, they just didn't have anybody now you take what used to be the the confirmed you know Burrow kind of had this breakout season that that made him the number one overall pick in that draft but Tua it was tank for Tua right At, like he was he was like the next big superstar number one overall pick quarterback now you know he has the injury and I get it now, like an offseason to improve, an offseason to get healthy, an offseason to, to kind of cater the offense towards him. And, I mean, Will Fuller is one of the most impactful wide receivers in the NFL. Say whatever anybody wants to about, like, exactly how good he is relative to the, the stars. But, like, pure impact. We see what he does for an offense. And they added Jalen Waddell. And they added, uh, you know, you, you bring back Albert Wilson, right? These things matter. And, and you compound these these different positive factors. So I, I couldn't agree more. I'm super super bullish on Tua. And even not fantasy relevant guys, like they have they they have Hunter Long as a blocking tight end, and I'm forgetting the other guy. But they've got like some of the best blocking tight ends in the league. They can do all sorts of different stuff. You know, they can go jumbo if they want to sometimes. So it's just yeah. a very creative situation down there. But Tua is the best way to capitalize on all of it. So he's a guy that I've really been emphasizing of late. What do you think about, and we'll hop in in just a second, with a situation like the Dolphins where they kind of have all these weapons, right? And they're kind of all priced, you know, they're really not that differently priced, even from like Waddle, Fuller, Parker, Gasicki, whatever. Are you kind of just like spreading out amongst those guys? Are you taking more of a stand on a a Fuller or a Waddle or not even just the Dolphins, but we have some of those other situations, like even like the Panthers, right? They have three wide receivers that they all look attractive. How are you kind of handling that Dolphins exposure type? Yeah, so the Dolphins is the one that I I'm taking the biggest stand on, and and I'm I'm out on Waddle and I'm in on Parker. I just don't think Waddle's going to hold up over 17 mm-hmm. games. Uh, he really didn't even in Alabama, and I'm not sure the Dolphins need him to. Like they've got so many weapons. I think he could have a little bit more of a limited, you know, snap count than we think. So he's the guy I'm out on, and Parker's the guy I'm rising as a result. But some of these other situations, like Cincinnati, for example, like I'm just mm. spreading around. I'm not gonna I, like. I'm if I'm high on the quarterback, I'm just gonna go ahead and just be overweight on all the other guys. Because let's be honest, we're not that good at identifying players, right? I, right. Who the hell knows? Like guy could twist his ankle in week one, and he's out six weeks, and you know suddenly the other two guys look better. Like it, it, there's a lot of variance inside of an NFL season, so I'm not yep. gonna act like I know it all. Right. To- totally agree. Oh, God. Um, so I just looked look- at my ownerships. Yeesh. I got to really cut down on my Court and Sutton. What? That is a painful number. Oh, boy. Oh, over over on Court Courtland Sutton. Were you more on? So He was my number more. two highest owned wide receiver. I did not realize it was that bad until I just looked. Were you, were you taking him most? You know, he fell a, like a lot and he still is falling. I think he's probably going to keep falling because there's such a negative sentiment with his fit with Teddy. Right. Which I think is a little bit like I, I Teddy's not to- playing 17 games, guys. See, so here comes the hot take. You, do you think Teddy is going to play bad, and um, you know they're they're just going to need to go to somebody else, or like what? For you know, how are you viewing that? You know, over the course of the season. I mean, first of all, Teddy's not model health guy, 
right? Let, let's just start sure. there. He, he's never been a model health guy. So, you know, we start with that. Like, you know, it's a 17-game season. I you just I have to imagine he's not going to – with the way he's going to be mobile in the pocket and whatever, he's just not going to make it 17 games. So I think that's a few games for Locke right there. And, you know, depending on when it happens, right, and how it goes, we've seen situations in the past. Like Tyrod Taylor was the guy – and then just he, his lung gets injected, and next thing you know, he doesn't ever see the field again. So, like, <laughs> I don't want to get super panicked about the situation because Teddy Bridgewater, I think, is just kind of like a journeyman. He got traded for a conditional seventh-round pick, so it's not like the NFL had this high value on him. But, you know, when I'm staring at 26% Cortland Sutton exposure right now, like, <laughs> it's going to be a tough battle between do I just – take the L here or do I buy the dip and hope I kind of get a favorable outcome? Yeah. I don't that's know. Always, that, that's such an interesting one because I have certain guys that I got overexposed to over the course. I, I would actually say the, the really, really random one that I got overexposed to was Mo Alley Cox. Yes, you did. <laughs> um, like way overexposed to Mo, Mo Alley Cox. So like I have a, a general approach and this was early in the draft season. It has changed a little bit now. And Sutton's probably a good example of as we get closer to the season, right? We know more. There has been all this time. There's less time for the market to shift. Now, maybe I'm wrong about that because the market is shifting like absolutely batshit insane every single day right now. But over, you know, when I'm drafting in late April, early May, I'm also, I'm not just trying to like draft my guys, right? Like I was, the reason why I got so heavy on Trey Lance, obviously I'm bullish on Trey Lance, but I haven't been taking him very much now because I have all this 13th, 14th round Trey Lance before the market adjusted. You can identify guys that you think are just going to rise. And so some, but sometimes that doesn't happen, right? Moali Cox went from an 18th round pick to, you know, not being drafted because of the Carson Wentz thing. And it's like, well, do I keep buying now? You know, like, do I continue to buy the dip? How Because I was wrong about that. So that's, I guess, where are you leaning on somebody like like Sutton? Are you going to kind of like the, now make this a bigger stand or back it off a little bit? I, I don't know. I, I, I really <laughs> just don't know. Like, I, I, it's really tough because Sutton's a really good basketball player in theory, right? He's the mm-hmm. deep guy and he's still going to be the deep guy. And it's not like he can't do the other stuff. So he kind of has Will Fuller type tendencies just in general. So it's not like his ADP is getting now too far away from Will Fuller. So it's not a complete disaster. So yeah, it really just kind of probably depends on how far he goes and how how, think how, that- how dig do I, how deep do I want to dig the hole. Yeah, I do think this is interesting. I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm never gonna say that uh, a bear case for any wide receiver is DJ Moore because that's a pretty freaking high floor to have for for anybody in a situation that is uncertain. But um, it's a fairly like interesting comp, at least, right? DJ Moore was kind of in this role. All right. Uh, yeah. So we let are, me we are, ask you a quick question because yeah. you did this with Pete on Wednesday or Tuesday, Monday, and you guys took the one guy who actually was in the late second. Right yeah. in Adams. I didn't understand the strategy. I think we should take Kelsey here and try to build a build oh, that people yes. haven't seen. Yes, uh, I totally support that. So um, that that I agree with. And there's a definitely a super mega gal brain thought to the Adams thing, you know, in the top few few picks in Best Ball Mania too. Because like you said, you know, for people that maybe I, I assume everybody here probably understands that, but in case you don't. You know, Best Ball Mania 2 has been going on all summer when the when the Rodgers stuff was kind of uncertain. Devontae was a second-round pick. And even at, at the, 
you know, in the, the worst time, he fell to the late, late second. Like, I think I have like a, you know, 212 or like a C, I have a one CMC Devontae team, which is just kind of crazy to think about. So taking him at this new peak cost is, is I think a little bit suboptimal. However, I also think there, you know, if you really want to galbrain this, I, this, this idea, there are unique combinations of players at the top that are really not all that that different, particularly combinations of three wide receivers. Um, because markets have shifted, like say market has shifted on CD Lamb or whatever. And I don't think that anybody in like those top three rounds are really maybe top two and a half. I think there's probably a big tier break after uh, like the middle of the third round. But just kind of creating these unique starts of basically a 3v3 right off of the Devontae teams. I think you're starting behind the eight ball with a, I can't remember. We took Devontae Keenan CD, I think, um, which I think is a fairly unique start. You're losing to those other Devontae teams right off the jump, but like no one has that combination of things. So if Devontae is still the guy you need, you're really just playing a 2v2 game there thereafter. So I'm not with the early round guy like Devontae. I'm not I'm not going to completely throw it out um, of him in the you know early to mid to mid first round compared to Marquez Callaway, you know, somebody like that that was an 18th round pick. And now he's going in like the ninth freaking round. Yeah, no, I, it's funny because I've been doing it with Tyreek Hill a bunch it, it, when I'm looking to get kind of just galaxy brain and I'll take him yep. third to get those kind of combinations. I just was wondering why you guys went with Adams. And that's kind of the reason I, I prefer Tyreek. I prefer Tyreek actually to your, to your point, because you can still get the unique, uh, you know, kind of starts without giving up quite as much firepower. Yeah. Okay. That, and I was just curious because I've been doing a bunch of Tyreek three just to kind of toy around with those cool builds. It's a little weird though, when you do it with a chief, because the way CEH is falling, it's always awkward. Cause you're just like, God, I wish I, I might just one of these times just galaxy brain it with digs just so I could like when CEH falls, I don't like really just hate my life for the <laughs> negative correlation. I haven't yep. done it yet, but I'm really tempted. Or if I want to really super, super galaxy brain it, I might go Calvin Ridley, but we'll see. That might be like the last day of best balls <laughs> after losing it. I, th- I think Ridley is interesting. Maybe like in the middle of the second or the, the middle of the first, like, I don't, I don't know that I want to go all the way up to the top, to the top of the first, but I haven't tried, I haven't tried that yet either. So I, I don't, I don't want to say I'm open to like way more ridiculous ideas than, than the normal person is. So uh, I'm not writing anything off. Yeah. It, it's, it's just, uh, it's just true. topic of CH falls. Right. And, and, and Diggs gives you the, the outs to still take, take CEH, you know, in the middle of the third or whatever, um, or early, early third. And yeah, then you can get Allen. And I mean, how many, what, let's say Diggs, um, I don't know who's a late, late second round pick, whatever Diggs, DK Metcalf, CEH with Josh Allen. Like there's probably, you know, I don't know how many of those kind of teams that, that, that there really are. Right. It's not like you're drafting scrubs, right? You're drafting yeah. really good football players. So yeah, it, you know, ADP is just a construct that we have created. So you know, players move up and down within like half a round, no problem. So one all of my the time, yeah, one of my favorites the is the CE is one of my favorites is like the Christian McCaffrey and taking one of those mid to late third round my receivers, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. Um, I'm not necessarily much Mike Evans because I'm not a Mike Evans guy, but yeah. shoving one of those guys up has been one of my favorite constructs of late when I when I draw a CMC like slot. It. Yep, I like that. What do you what do you think about these guys here that were on the clock? AJ Brown, Justin Jefferson. AJ Brown is definitely 
um, my favorite. And I don't think there's going to be like a ton of AJ Brown, Kelsey. Yeah. I, I think that's the right play. I'm not on Justin Jefferson. So I'd much rather take Brown. I'm not really on Justin Jefferson too. Like I've taken him because I'm, I'm not going to be stubborn on like a, a stud wide receiver. Right. And, and like, and have zero, but he's definitely like amongst all these guys, my lowest. He also falls into that pocket where like, if you take Dalvin, I don't want Jefferson at the, at the end of the second round. And there's so many of those pairings, the Dalvin Jefferson thing that like, I'll just, in that case, just give me DK Metcalf or AJ Brown, you know? Yeah. Or just give me CD Lamb. Keenan, yep. yeah, I, I just, yep. I just looked. I have like one percent Justin Jefferson. So we, we are on island of no Justin yes. Jefferson here. Yes. Okay. So here's a good, here's a good one. We got uh, awesome, awesome options. Obviously, we took Kelsey, and so uh, Kittle, Kittle is off the board. But what, what's your, what's your thoughts? I also don't want to do Ceh here, which is kind of like you said, the unfortunate part of boxing. Okay. Well, so. CD would definitely be my pick here, but I'm also open to Keenan or A-Rob or something if you have a preference. Yeah, this really sucks. Is Mahomes off the board? Maybe this room will let us get him in the fourth. I mean, typically these drafts uh, are sharper. So, That's what I'm saying. Uh, we might be able to try it. Let's do CD and see if we can and, – and, and I – I also, you know, CD, you know, we're only talking about a couple picks here, but, you know, there was that stretch where he was going in the late second. Now we've got him back to, to you know, a, a little bit more reasonable price. Like you had to take him over A.J. Brown for, for a short stretch there. And now you can, you know, get him with A.J. Brown and Kelsey. And it gives us options here. Uh, you know, Dak falls sometimes, like you said, Mahomes falls sometimes. And we can kind of maybe scoop one of these falling elite elite quarterbacks and then uh you know just hammer hammer the other positions yeah see this is exactly though why Kel- try to galaxy brand with kelsey kind of sucks because someone is just going to pick up amazing ceh value here yep um and that that's definitely the tough part and there's definitely times i have just te- given into temptation and just done ceh kelsey on the prayer that i can get Mahomes mm-hmm. back it's worked once i got fifth round Mahomes once with ceh kelsey which was really nice uh, but you know, I, I forced them in. I forced them in like the late fourth once, just because I'm like, okay, if I have these guys, I I can't take zero Mahomes. I think I have like two Mahomes teams. Yeah, I have a, all my Mahomes was like fifth round Mahomes when it was like peak wide receiver mania, and I was like, <laughs> all right, well, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback. I will take him in the fifth round. Right when you're deciding between Mahomes in the fourth and like I don't know Cooper Cup or something, it's like that's a very different conversation than Mahomes in the fifth versus like. Odell you know what I mean like we're talking about very very different 2v2s yeah exactly and it's like this lineup's unique too like Mahomes in the fifth round I, I'm gonna be up going up against a ton of teams that draft him in the third and fourth so yeah. if he is the player you have to have fifth round is exactly where I want him yeah Mahomes is such a, a specific use case that I don't think people like think about where they're getting him enough because he's not really that good of a bet versus all those other elite quarterbacks so a i think you want him with chiefs right because his if he really is the qb1 you know kelsey tyreek ceh whatever those guys are just going to be going absolutely nuclear and so many teams took him in the third or fourth the advantage is having the best mahomes team not just having another one of the the same chief stacks that everybody has right that's the also thing when you think about your you look at your ownership exposures right it's about where you get them. So there's a few players that like I am underweight on, but I know I have the best versions of the teams because yep. I'm just so low on them. When I get them, it is at like the basement of basement prices. So it's kind of like, oh, I have five percent. I don't. I'm trying to think of a good play. I'm scrolling through my list. 
of a player that I'm just like absolutely down on. Uh, let's see if I can find one. Like Jamar Chase. I get Jamar Chase. You're like, <laughs> it's sixth round Jamar Chase, you know? And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, well, that's fine by me. Like if I get, you know, I know he just uh, got hurt, but like Travis Etienne was one of those guys too. Like I was at the very bottom of the Etienne world. So like when I got my 3%, it was sick, like pick 79, Travis Etienne. Like, okay. Yep. That 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 means if he is the guy, I have the best versions of him. So it's not yeah, necessarily I, the end of the world. Yeah, and I, and I think that's really important, especially for certain certain types of players, right? Like you're just never going to get the cheapest CD Lamb, right? Because he's just there, there's only so far CD Lamb is ever going to fall. So you just mix him in when it makes sense, or or you know if you like him like I I do, you're you're pretty much hammering CD, but. Like you said, Mahomes, there are drafts. He's going to fall to the fifth. He's usually going in the third or whatever. So don't take him there, but just you know, mix him in when when it makes sense. Chase, uh, not uh, on, a, on a site that shall not be named, given we're talking about underdog right now, is absolutely plummeting. I mean, absolutely plummeting, especially now. I don't know if you saw the, his girlfriend's uh, Instagram I did. post. She yeah, also tweeted, great. so I don't want to get too far in the weeds on that, but that was also posted pre-draft and then deleted. So I'm not Oh, was it? I hadn't yeah. seen that. That's what I read. So I, I, I did a little bit of a deep dive in it, but I came away from the I'll wait for someone legitimate to report on it before I yeah. start affecting my draft strategy. But I could be wrong. So here's the here's the other thing that has bugged me about Kelsey is you get locked out of Kyle Pitts. Falling, falling Kyle Pitts here too, which really sucks. Yeah, so there's times I've just said I've been stubborn and just being like, screw it. Like if Kyle Pitts is is Megatron, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, that's true. If he really is a wide receiver, that's true. Can we right. take Julio here? Can, like, uh, we have we have, no. we have AJ Brown. How many how many of these teams Ugh. are going to have? Tannehill's on COVID. You're, oh, I guess we might get a discount on on exactly. Tannehill. I'm oh, taking. Yeah, that. we should do that. We got yeah. it. Kelsey Kelsey with. AJ, CD, and the 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 Titan, the Titans, and stuff. we'll get the discount on Tannehill too. Yeah, be nice. The the, the co- yeah, the old the old COVID discount. The old COVID I, discount. I, I, hey guys, if you guys weren't paying attention, he's on the COVID list. Right? Did he? He didn't test positive though, right? Is that what I read? I'm not up to speed. I they said five to ten stuff. days, depending on things. So I'm okay. not sure what those things are. Yeah. Um. This is frustrating though with with Kyle Pitts. Um. I, I if if someone at the turn doesn't take them, I think we really should consider it. So yeah, I guess that's the question: is how, how do you really feel about that? Like, do you do you think that he? Thank oh, you, he thank got, you, he, thank he, you, he, CMC he, team. I, 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 I had a feeling like, the CMC team would, but and that's pretty sexy. That's a, that's a really nice team. CMC Amari McLaurin Judy with Pitts. See, yeah, he just see nice. he did the thing I love to do. He like he jumped up Cooper to the turn. Like, who has Cooper on the turn? Yep, it's fantastic. We are just All in right. no man's land right now. Yeah, what do you what 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 do you like here? I don't like these running backs. I, I think as a general rule, uh, you should always try to if you don't know what to do, drop the Carolina wide receiver. Oh, okay. Uh, so I, oh yeah. I, I, I think, think that's kind of what we should do. I we could take Odell, fun. but I mean we have a week thirteen issue, but I don't really ever care about bye week Twitter. So and and well you will you'll recover week thirteen. Like yeah, it's you, not like week may, seven. Yeah, exactly. You may not recover week seven, but you'll recover week thirteen. Yeah, week thirteen is like not an issue. There's not exactly a ton of value plays on my board that have the week thirteen by. So right, not one right. I'm, I'm freaking out about. Week six for me is a sneaky one that's just brutal. Six Especially at tight end. Pitts tight end. is Falcons. 
Saints. Um, oh my god, I should know this. Falcons, Saints. Uh, uh, man, that's gonna bother me now. Uh, I don't. I know seven. I know seven, but I don't know six off the top of my head. Falcons, 49ers, obviously. How right. did I forget that? And Jets. Yeah. So those are all teams I'm, I'm definitely on. So yeah, yeah, it's when you take pits and you try to pair with a late tight end. It's just like, oh, I can't use Troutman because he's week six. Mm-hmm. <laughs> great. You know, but, and then it's like, okay, great. I'm stuck with Austin Hooper again for the hundredth time in a row. <laughs> yeah. Uh, those, I hate getting into those decisions with those super, super gross gross tight ends, but that is partially like the perk of getting Pitts, Kelsey, Kittle, Waller, right? It's like, I mean, in theory, you don't ever need Austin Hooper. So, I also just think the way that we're drafting wide receivers more efficiently than ever, tight end production is going to matter more in the shootout because there's going to be less inefficient wide receivers that are just popping off the board from like, for example, there's going to be no Justin Jefferson this year. We've learned our lesson. Right, we're drafting those type of players much better than we did last year, mm-hmm. and so where's the bit? You know, as a result, running backs are falling. So it's not like you're going to get super running back value. I mean, you're going to get solid value, but it's not like the player pool is pretty well defined at this point because everyone's searching for those value backs. So for me, the question is just: I think the biggest inefficiency right now is the tight end position, due to what we've seen in the past at wide receiver. So I'm really making an emphasis on tight ends. I don't want to be stuck with. Irv Smith is my number one. I'm really using more capital on tight ends than probably most drafters. That's 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 really interesting, and I I hadn't thought about it that way, but I think that makes a ton of sense with how efficient, specifically on underdog. I will preface it right. with that because some of the you know other sites are a little bit less efficient, but specifically with how efficient we are. I mean, like uh, your point on Jefferson is is so true, right? Last year where Jefferson was like going way 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 late. This year. Terrace Marshall, who like we know is the fourth option in that offense. Like, and I love Terrace Marshall. Like I have a drafted a lot of Terrace Marshall, but like, because we have learned that lesson, like you said, Terrace Marshall is like a 10th round pick now this year. Right. I mean, maybe he is Justin Jefferson, but you're not getting him in the 16th round. Like you got Justin Jefferson. Right. And you know, there's other guys that you're going to whiff too, you know, yep. who we think are going to be in similar roles. You know, one of the Buffalo guys, for example, like I'm high on them, but I also know realistically I'm going to be looking in the middle of October going, okay, that's a 12% of lineups I sank by being aggressive on this offense. So yeah. the real question is probably who's the next Buffalo, right? You know, a rising yeah. tide rises all boats. And so that's where I think the conversation about San Francisco, and that's why I was so high on Denver was, you know, if Drew Locke makes a 50% improvement, right, it's going to rise the boat of the entire offense. Yeah. Right. And so now that's why I'm kind of just like going the opposites now. It's like, all right, well, uh, you know, a tide going out sinks all boats. So <laughs> yeah. um, I again, I think there's a pretty clear cut pick for us here. If we if it comes back to us, um, I don't really for me, I think it's pretty clear, but I think it's pretty clearly Kenny Galladay. Just give it a okay. build. Okay. Uh, there's other wide receivers we could take, but I am just way out on Pittsburgh. I yeah, like I'm not even sure I own any Pittsburgh. I might, I'm sure I do, but you know, I just think with our with where we're at, he's got the upside we need, and I, I that's the pick I would take. I'm, I'm I'm totally down for this. I don't have a ton of of Kenny Galladay, but he is again now he's fall, you know he used to be in like the fifth round, right? He was in the Iuke range, um, and now you know now we're talking about him like you said in the Juju range and the Michael Gallup range, and it's like. I can say whatever I want and everybody has the same take on the giants, right? 
we think they're going to suck. Daniel Jones sucks. The offensive line sucks. You know, Kenny Galladay has, right. I can recite all the same things that everybody has been saying all year. He's hurt, blah, blah, blah. But we're still talking about, you know, in theory, this really, really, really good wide receiver with pretty darn minimal, you know, target, target competition. And so, you know, I mean, I don't think we should be concerned with spike weeks for, for Kenny Galladay. Are we concerned that like, is he like the perfect sixth, seventh round pick, you know, who knows, but I feel pretty confident that he's going to provide some, some very quality weeks, almost no matter what the giants do on offense. Right. Exactly. It's, it's, it's the weird floor ceiling play. It's like at worst, he's going to get me four, four to five spike weeks. And like, that's fine because I'm going to be drafting a ton of wide receivers, right? Like Mm -hmm. that's exactly what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to draft as many talented wide receivers as I can. So fantastic. You know, (laughs) and and this room is doing the same thing. So as long as they keep leaving me one guy in, in my tier, I'm not really in the mood to stop. All right, you want to go right. to the wide receiver tab? Yep. Yes, yeah, this is kind of where it stops for me. Uh, this is where I would start considering uh, the position we back. shall not name. Yeah. <laughs> so here's one thing yeah, I was going to so, ask you about. What do you think about Sermon? Because Mostert got dinged, got, got, got dinged up and trying this to – This has been one of the highest risers on my board. Sermon? Is, yeah. It, again, okay. kind of with the same idea I was thinking about like – you know, rising tides rises all boats. And, you know, I just think that he's could be that guy who next year we're drafting in the second round, right? He, he's got that upside. He's in the right offense for it. He's a guy too, that when I, whenever Lance takes over is going to be really good in those read options. You know, he ran a lot of that at Oklahoma. And so that's going to be very natural to him. He knows the cuts, he knows the lanes and that offensive line has just been better. So I, he's a guy that I didn't take off much earlier that is absolutely going the other way right now. I also think he makes a ton of sense in, you know, more of this zero RB type type build where, you know, we know that the 49ers are going to be efficient. And even if he is splitting time with, with Mostert or Gallman or whoever early on, he still can, you know, he can get in the end zone. Like, well, of course, you know, of course he can. And he was playing some passing downs in in preseason, which is really nice, really nice to see. But he can be usable in a in a committee. I mean, I, it's possible that there's three usable backs in this in this in this offense, um, especially once Trey Lance takes over. But if he breaks out and, like you said, is the the guy we're taking in the second round next year, when you pair that with all this wide receiver firepower and Travis Kelsey, like that's how you create that that superstar squad. You know, come playoff time in, in best ball mania. Right, exactly. And, you know, just trying to win $1 million. And I think the people think people forget about too is the min cash is just your money back. And the level above that is $30. Like, <laughs> don't get me wrong. I, some money is better than no money. But yeah. this idea that we're playing, like you play to make the playoffs, is like even more hurt by the structure of the payouts. So for me, like, it's just thinking about, like, how do I advance? It's not even just like making the playoffs, it's about how do I get to that second round? Right. Who are the yep. type of guys that are going to get me to that second round? And, and Sermon is definitely one of those guys. And they also have a fantastic matchup that week. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the playoff schedule is just an absolute smash. And if you if you like to think about like the t- the kind of guy, right, the last year's Jonathan Taylor, right, the guy that is ascending over the course of the season, like maybe he does a little bit for you early on in the year. You know, he's not a total smash, but then you get to this cupcake schedule, right? JT was getting the Jags and the Texans and those kind of teams later in the season. Well, the 49ers are get, are actually getting the Texans and some of these, you know, just God awful teams later in the year. And he's the, the youthful back 
that like say whatever we want about Raheem Mostert. I know he's explosive. You know, we don't really know exactly how that backfield is going to shake out. If I was going to bet on a guy to break out and take, you know, I mean, uh, Winky brings it up right here. Literally today, I think, or yesterday, Mostert already, you know, is is dinged up in practice and he hasn't even played in a preseason game. It's like, who do you think, you know, is going to be taking over that backfield later in the season? I, I would like to put my chips on on Trey Sermon. Yeah, I mean, I, it, when Wayne Gallman's the other option, I, I very much would rather have the other guy. <laughs> right. Totally agree. So let's see what we got going on here. This is not that bad. Uh, at see, This uh, tier is pretty uh, dead for me. But, like, at least we're not run out of, like, no. sometimes that'll happen. You know, these guys will be getting pushed way up in, like, a really wide receiver heavy room. But we didn't run into that situation. So what are you doing with uh, the Jets, the Jets wide receivers? Davis is probably my favorite, but I also stare at Michael Thomas and go like Corey Davis. It's the Jets, mm-hmm. right? And I, mm-hmm. it's not exactly like they have the. They've got a good offense. I'm not sure I'm ready to pronounce it as good as most of Twitter wants to. <laughs> and they've got a tough schedule too. It's it's no cupcake. To me, it's tough. Like I think about winning a million dollars, and every time I get in this situation, I think about Michael Thomas and. You know, I just – the reports have been good, and mm-hmm. both sides just started quibbling in the media. And then it just went radio silent, which to me means they finally had a, all right, like, we're going to we're gonna do this one more year. Can we just, for the love of God, stop bickering at each other? But the last reports we had were good. So, yeah. like, I would take them over Cooks or Hardman, yeah. uh, those type of guys. I mean, you can make a case if you wanted to jump Marvin Jones. I'd be willing to listen to that argument. I, I do like him, but I'm, that's kind of what I would do here. Uh, you know, I, I haven't. You're selling me a little bit. I've been pretty much out on 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 Michael Thomas, but I do also think in Best Ball Mania too, it's a little bit interesting because we know there's a fair amount of teams with him with him, you know, in the third round. Um, and yeah, right, right. I mean, I know a lot. Of, I have a little bit of him uh, in the in the third round. And so it's a little bit at least interesting there. And just as we're getting a little bit more certainty, we'll get to that too. But um, I was going to ask you about Jameis versus Taysom. I feel a lot more confident in Jameis now. I guess everybody probably does. I feel Uh, burned by this whole stupid quarterback thing. So don't ask me. Yeah, Yeah, maybe don't answer. Because if if we agree on it, then it's probably not going to come true. Yeah, it's it's tough. It's been tough for sure. Yeah. yeah, so Marvin comes back to us. Do you want to take take Marvin here? I like Marvin. You know, he yeah. kind of reminds me more of the Colin Johnson build, who's also one of those late round guys. When I don't get Marvin, that that I take, um, I, I saw. I think you were pretty early on him, and I kind of just did the head nod as when I was watching the show, being like, "Yep, let's just move him forty spots up the rankings, make sure we get a bunch." <laughs> yeah. Like I, I'm just out on DJ Chark. I'm not sure how long he even starts. I don't think Urban likes him at all either. Like mm-hmm. if if you if you had a put my life on one player inside the top 100 finishing outside the top 150 DJ track would be my man and it wouldn't be close. Yeah. I think, I think I've made my, my stance that it's DJ Chark and probably Brandon cooks would be the, would be the two guys that I, that I, I would bet on like, and not because I don't think Brandon, Brandon cooks might actually be fairly good to start the year, but when I'm envisioning the same, it's like the opposite of the Trey Sermon thing, right? When I'm envisioning the Texans and they're zero and nine, Right. And Brandon Cooks is this, you know, small, you know, uh, older 
wide receiver. Like, what are they going to be doing? You know, the, the, A, it's probably not going to be Tyrod back there. That's and, not necessarily a good thing, though. Davis Mills loves, loves, loves his corner love zone passes in the end zone. Loves that is, them. That is true. But I'm envisioning, um, I agree, uh, Pecan. What a, what a sweet name. Um, I agree. I'm very much on Colin Johnson. Um, the other thing, just pivoting back to Marvin super quickly, is, you know, we don't have a quarterback. We don't have, you know, we have some some stacks where, we're looking to set up, but we, you know, he, he gives us the outs to Lawrence still. Yeah, and for exactly, and that's the nice part about taking a Carolina receiver is no matter what you do, you've got the back door to Sam Darnold. Which, yep. the The worst part about Drew Locke for me isn't necessarily that Drew Locke isn't the starter. Like, don't get me wrong, I don't like that at all for my Denver exposure. But it was really nice to have someone that I actually liked below him, where I could play chicken on Sam Darnold. Because yeah. I always had this problem where it gets to like pick 170, and I would just be like, I don't have a Corby QB2, and everyone below here is just is trash. Mm-hmm. Like, and I would just jump them, just consistently just jump, jump, jump. Yeah. And the nice part for like that 10 day stretch where I was convinced Locke was going to be the starter is like, I got to play chicken with Sam Darnold. I watched you do it on another site. Um, I, I, I did, I've done it on Underdog. I've gotten him in the, like in the 200s a couple times. It was really nice to be able to play chicken on him. So, um, that that's definitely something I miss, probably more than necessarily Drew Lock starting. Yeah, I, I I totally agree. Like I tend to play chicken a little bit just in general because I'm okay missing on the stacks because like and you know this, you know I'm not telling you anything you don't you don't know. But there are still benefits to having you know Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson and Terrace Marshall without Sam Darnold. Like you know if it's a totally ideal world, I would get my, my double stacks and right and, and get all my correlations and everything like that. But also when we look, when we look to what like the winning teams are going to be, they're probably not going to be the completely perfect, right? That's what happens in DFS all the time. You know, if I could build my game stack with the exact perfect bringbacks and stuff like that, that doesn't always, it's not always what, what wins. And so I actually think, you know, pushing that is, is actually a, a big edge, but to your point with the Darnold thing, I didn't like anybody after <laughs> after him. So it wasn't so easy to just, you know, you can push it with Dak and Russ and Herbert and all that because, you know, you're, you're never going to get locked out of quarterback. But when you had Darnold, it's like, I mean, I don't want to take Daniel Jones. I don't want to take, you know, uh, the, the Saints situation. You know, it was it was kind of a mess. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a little bit better now because we know, I think, that Mac Jones is probably going to start sooner rather than later. Yeah, James is going to start most likely knock on wood. Right. So it's a little bit better of a situation than it was, but yeah, certainly issue. Oh, come on. We got to play chicken on a turn. No, I'm not. This guy does not. I'm not. There's nobody here that we. Why take Terrence Marshall? What do you mean? Does does he have have the double double? Okay. You're right. You're right. You're right. I'm wrong. You're correct. I agree with you. Let's, let's get that clipped. He's definitely gonna, yeah. <laughs> yep, okay, there cool. it goes. Dennis. So yeah, what? Fine. Yep. Whatever. Now, but so so we have. Uh, let's see what quarterback looks like really quick. So there is, you know, La- we can get Lawrence and then look to Darnold um, as a Darnold, and we can double stack with Colin Johnson towards the end too. Exactly. Yeah, we wanted Tannehill and Marshall, so suck it. I mean, uh, it, you know, like taking – and guess what? Like I'm not really worried about a, a naked Ryan Tannehill team beating us because if Tannehill's going off, our guys are doing all the work. So yeah. it doesn't really bother me. And that's the thing to your point, you know, about these situations is the other people just made their team worse, right? This – this, I mean, no offense to, to this gentleman here 
Um, but like, you know, you made your team worse. We still have that that bet. Yeah, I think we take Lawrence here. I think we do as well. Okay. Perfect. Yeah, so this works out well. And and the other thing is, even when you miss on that quarterback, it actually, you know, now we're gonna have extra stacks, right? And I think that's something that people don't think like the quarterback points are whatever. You know, like, uh, sure, I would love if if something breaks where Tannehill is just a total smash this year, I would love to have that. But like more likely than not, as Tannehill does kind of what we think Tannehill is going to do. And then we get to the playoffs and you just need Lawrence to do, you know, Lawrence, Darnold, whoever we end up getting to do something similar to what the, you know, Tannehill is doing. But we still have the Titans bet. You know what I mean? And I actually like having. Okay, we have a, a Titan stack, even though there's not the quarterback. We have a Carolina stack. We have a Jaguar stack, right? And you just like start to stack up these things. We have Cowboys, you know, 49ers. And you just start, you know, now I have like six stacks on this team, right? That other people are just like, okay, they got their one double stack and that's it. You know, there's power in that in the playoff weeks. Yeah, absolutely. So we got eight wide receivers, I believe. Is that right? Let's, let me double check. Yep. Beautiful. One, 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 eight, one. This is nice. That's exactly how I love to do it. Get those wide receivers early, baby. And and after Marshall, I think, is a fairly significant tier break. I guess I, I kind of like the the Bills guys. But e- even then, I'm not super hyped about anybody kind of beyond Terrace Marshall. And now, like, if we don't want to take – you know, we can do the Colin Johnson thing, of course. But even if we don't want to take Colin Johnson and we need to hammer running back, like, we have that flexibility now. Yeah, and you know it, this is kind of like I don't mind Rager, I don't mind Davis, I don't mind Sanders, but I'm not like oh my god, my world. I don't want to be in the situation of sweating at the screen, being like, please fall, please fall, <laughs> right? That it's just yep. everyone's been there where you try to play hero and you're just like, man, I can get it, I can get him, and they go right before you, and you're just like, well, now I'm stuck, you know, drafting AJ Green or Traquan, and you're just like, oh man, yep. <laughs> why did and- I, why did I Joe draft? Dead zone running back X. Yep. It's so true. And all of these, like, I, I like the Bills. I actually have, like, I mean, maybe I'll be regretting um, the Cole Beasley thing. But I have, like, quite a bit of of, of Cole Beasley. But, like, m- almost all these guys, I think someone could maybe de- debate uh, Marvin just because he's a little older and we kind of know what know what he is. But he also plays well in this this structure with the, the spikes. I mean, that's what Marvin provides, right? He's probably gonna have like two, three touchdown games and some, and some duds, but that's okay when you have eight stud wide receivers. But your point on sermon is like, this is the guy that could go in the second round next year, right? Terrace Marshall could go way higher. Obviously ninth round, Michael Thomas could go way high, right? It's all, we're stacking up all these guys um, together that could all just be total smashes. Right, and guess what? There could be a total dozen that finished last in the tournament, but it's the same thing if you finished dead last in the tournament or you finished, you know, fourth in your league. So, uh, yeah, I guess we do have to look at the position that shall not be named. Huh? Probably time to start looking at some. Yeah, right. Fair enough. Um, this quarterback is is. I, uh, I got to be honest. I think we should kind of just wait for Donald at this point. I think so too. If someone jumps him, someone jumps him. We'll we'll come up with a plan B. We got we have we have Jamie Backdoor. We have, we have yeah, James we and Right. So we've got the back doors if we need them. Yeah. So uh, I, I think this, this is kind of a nice uh, – to me, this is kind of the running back sweet spot where there's a bunch of guys that I really like. Who is your favorite amongst these guys? Uh, uh, obviously not Latavius anymore. Um, no. He, I, you know, I, I, I'm still not giving up hope there. I know that it feels like a lost cause. I am not mm-hmm. giving up hope. Obviously, I've removed it from my board, but I have not given up hope on that. Yeah. 
uh, hopefully, ideally Jacksonville for me, just because I have no, I have 0.25% James Robinson. I was so <laughs> far out. I think the only share I have, I actually found them like on an FFPC football guys. Then like the very first one I did, and I did it drunk in a bar. <laughs> <laughs> so um, um, all right. Heinz, I think is fine. Uh, yeah. Madison, I think might get back to us just because of the injury concern. Okay. Yeah, um, and there's a couple other guys I like, but I know people at the turn are listening, and I very much would like to get a couple of them. Let's do Let's do Hines. I think Hines makes sense here. You know, obviously the whole the unique, but the unique bye week too is very helpful in case like we emergency need him as a flex. I mean, I God hope no hopes we not we need yeah. him, but you know, maybe week thirteen we do. So a unique bye week there is kind of nice to have. I also like I also like getting Colts exposure, whether it's through Hines or somebody else, because um, I mean I, I do like this offense. I know a lot of people are really down on the Colts, and I and I get it with Wentz and, and such, but um, they have a really sweet playoff schedule too, um, and so you could absolutely get one of those Naheem Hines spikes in in the playoffs. You know the two touchdown game. So I'm okay with uh, Madison, Damian, or McKissick. I'm the high man on McKissick. Uh, probably compared to most. Uh, Damian, I just am not a Montgomery guy. I think he's going to yeah. get that passing down work. Madison, I think, has the highest ceiling of the bunch, but we do have a week seven. Or no, we don't have a week seven. So I, I, I'm kind of half a dozen with any of these guys. I th- I think with Sermon Hines, we want to shoot for the moon, which I, you could maybe argue that Damian is is in that same that, that similar archetype, but I just don't know that the – and I guess Montgomery proved me wrong – last year but i just think if something were to happen to dalvin and to montgomery that i would rather have madison how do you feel about that that you know that contingent value between those two guys i think i draft i personally have drafted damian Moore. let me just make sure that's the truth uh they're actually both lower than i would have ever expected or i just missed them at the top where are they I'll just have to use the search function. Uh, Madison is a guy I'm at, like right at the field with, and Damien I'm at the field with. So, yeah, I guess I kind of just dropped them interchangeably. I'm actually surprised my Damien Williams is only 7%. I would have thought it was way higher than that, just based and on I, how much I like the guy. I have I loved him. Like, he was, you know, I made, like, Darrington my, you know, brand. Yeah, then he, you used to get him in the 18th round. It was nice. That's probably exactly. why I stopped. But Damien was the same thing. Like, I was just – I probably have, like – 10 straight teams or it was like 17th round Darrington, 18th round Damien or whatever, you know, I was just smashing those guys so much. And so now it's tough to stomach like 14th, 15th round Damien on all sites. He's so much more expensive. Yeah. Most of my, I'm looking at now, like most of my ownerships back in like the original puppy and best ball mania. So that definitely makes sense. Yeah. It's so nice. You can sort by that too. Just so you can know when you were getting players compared to the field. It's very helpful. If only the other sites would uh, step up and right. do something similar. That'd be fantastic. We got one, one fifty. Yeah, so we got time here on a quarterback, and like you said, we can play chicken because we got outs to Jameis and Daniel Jones. So feeling feeling pretty good. This feels pretty good. This is kind of how I like to do it. You know, obviously it would be nice if a running back we like falls to us, but you know that's kind of the name of the game, right? You have to play a bunch of these, and you're not always going to get the perfect draft. Some things are just not going to go your way. But when you do get the perfect draft, you want to be in a position to optimize it. That's that's so true. That is so true. 
Uh, and I think people struggle with that mainly as it pertains to running back, right? Because um, like we, we talk like uh, Overzet talks about it a lot. We talked about it on ship chasing, like frequently, especially during like the crazy wide receiver bull run, right? It's a little bit back to, you know, it's not normal, but like it's not quite as crazy as it was there during like what puppy one, puppy two, something like that. Puppy but, two was just absurd. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely insane. Right. You're taking, you know, I mean, it, it, it was crazy, but anyway, you have to be able to, like like you said capitalize and every round beyond like the fourth it's always a running back that's the quote-unquote best pick right say whatever you want about like from an adp perspective it's like always a running back and so you need to know that and like when do you swerve over and get that guy like when is the right time you know what i mean and so i think you know when we're constructing a team like this this is this is exactly how i want to build build my team like you said play a little bit of chicken at quarterback and just make the right swerves and now we're just going to, you know, just start scooping up the running backs. Um, so I, I do think it's probably running back here. I really like Geo. Yeah, I, I don't think this is a decision. I think it's Geo for sure. I, I think so, too. Yeah. I, I still have these dreams of Fournette getting cut. I know there's probably dreams at this point. But yeah, I remember, like, last winter, he was on the verge of getting cut. And then, like, Ronald Jones got hurt. And so they kept him around. And then they won the Super Bowl, so they felt like they had to keep him around. I don't know. Yep. I just like there's always a surprise cut every year. There's always a surprise cut, and I don't know Leonard Fournette. Maybe it's just because I've been a little bit high on the field on Ronald Jones and Geo, but God, that'd be fantastic for me. <laughs> yeah, same. I was uh, I was pretty in on the the Geo stuff early, and I use Rojo. I what do our uh, what does the tight end market look like? Can we just take a oh. quick peek. Yeah, I, I've kind of like totally written it. Yeah, off. we're back in the dead zone. Okay, that's fine. I was making sure someone didn't fall on us. But do you prefer like Hunter Henry or James White? The other thing about James White and Hunter Henry is they do set us up for Mac if we want uh, to. I, I think James White's the pick here for me okay. personally. Um, I love it. You know, there's other options too. Like if we if there was a tight end that had fallen, like there are other other sleeper running backs on the peak. Like I, I for example, I in Poppy three, if you were drafting with me yesterday morning, you noticed that I was taking a lot of last round JJ Taylor. Um the guys that I trust in college football, like swear up and down that Stevenson is just bad, like up and down swear. And, 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 I mean, I don't want to out the guy cause I don't know how much public he wants out of it, but like, it's a guy, you know, and it's like, he's just like, Stevenson's terrible. The coach, like no one likes him. He's not good. Trust me. He's going to like never play, you know? And I was like, okay, good to know. I think we're going to trade Michelle and he'll play. This was like a couple months ago, but uh-huh. okay. And you know, they traded Michelle and he came, he like, he doubled down. And this guy is not a hot take guy. Like, he's normally just like, ah, we'll see. He's just like, Stevenson's bad. This is a JJ Taylor move. So I was like, all right, I guess I'll grab some last round JJ Taylor and the puppy. Why not? It's the puppy. Yeah. So I, I kind of don't think he's wrong necessarily, too. Like, I could see JJ Taylor taking a Rex Burkhead role. Um, so that's probably how James White fails. But in this build, I just think James White for us makes a lot of sense. And the interesting thing about J.J. Taylor is that if that's correct, well, A, you know, like you said, no one's drafting him. It's the 18th round. Who gives a shit? All those guys are the same, right? They're, they're all probably going to suck. But if that's correct, he has a really unique contingent value case where it's actually usually it is, okay, starter gets hurt, you know, right? Madison, right? Madison's the 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 easy case, Tony Pollard, those guys are the easy case for like, okay, starter gets hurt. In theory, he's mostly a workhorse, right? Other guys might mix in a little bit. 
JJ Taylor is like, there's two guys in front of him in very specific roles and he could benefit from either of them going down and then like, you know, like actually be really, really usable. He could even be Rex Burkhead, like you said, right? Maybe he pops even without an injury. It's just a really, really super unique case in the New England uh, backfield, and he's an. And Stevenson player. doesn't play doesn't play special teams. So like you know, let's say someone gets hurt and they're carrying three backs, and you know someone gets hurt. Like now, JJ Taylor's got a spike week potential for you. Yeah. Right. Being that yep. you know they might activate him the next week, but you know you still have two and a half quarters to get a spike week in the 18th round. Like sign me up for that. Yeah, and and I think uh, you know you're the you're the Patriots fan, so you would know even better. I, I am fairly bullish on on this offense i think they're just a tough one to peg which actually happens all the time with the patriots you know i know they make the people make the jokes about the the backfield and stuff but like i find basically every piece of the patriots appealing and so i am actually trying to like if we're just like talking about exposure to a team make sure i have i'm like basically overweight on the patriots it's just i don't want to like have all my eggs in one basket right damien i mean it could be damien harris it could be james white it could be jj taylor it could be hunter henry it could be Janu, right i really like jacoby myers but like you know now we just went through eight different guys on on the offense and i want to make sure i'm just you know getting my my patriots exposure yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so there's a bunch of different guys. You know, I just Stevenson for me was like really early on. I love, I loved him like r- like early season, like April, May. He was my late round guy, mm-hmm. and I, I think I tweeted about him. And I like two minutes later, get a text like light those teams on fire, <laughs> just immediate hate. I was like, okay. And then I thought about it though, like the Pats did redshirt Damian Harris as a third round pick, right? Yeah, like they did the exact same thing with him. So this wouldn't be unprecedented for the Pats to just like redshirt them and play the other guys. So and Brandon Bolden is still around, right? I guess is he is he going to make the team? I have no idea. I assumed he wasn't, but you're right. Like they could inactivate inactivate him and keep Bolden around. So that, that's right. That that is possible. Yeah. So I mean, I have no idea. Obviously, this is nice. James well, goes. Yeah. James don't goes. don't don't. I was really hoping you weren't going to click the tab. I was like, I almost was this, like, don't. But, this guy's got three quarterbacks, and these these guys got two. So we not, should be okay, unless someone just gone, wants to. Not, like. Right. That's okay. If, um, not, if not, we get to take one of my favorite wide receivers. So it works for me. Oh lord, I'm terrified to know who that is. Um. So that that is, I guess, one thing. I was. Do you feel comfortable with this group of five um, running backs to where you would? Okay, I'm taking Darnold. Yeah, we're taking Darnold. That was a good. That was a good bluff. But yeah, we're taking down. Yeah. <laughs> um, but are you comfortable with this group of five running backs and and another wide receiver flyer, or how are you normally approaching this as it gets to you know the last two rounds when you have these running? Backs? It really just depends who's available, right? If there's a back that I think will make a difference, sure. You know, yeah. uh, if there's not a back that I think is a difference maker down here, no. So like for example, like I could see a case if you wanted to tell me, Hey, we should take a sixth back with um, Tony Jones or uh, take a sixth back with uh, Justin Jackson. Like I would like, those are cases I think that would be fair Um, Uh for me personally, though, I would not pass up on the value of Byron Pringle. Oh, okay. Um, He is, I believe my highest on wide receiver. I don't check that, but I'm pretty sure he's my highest on wide receiver. Um, I can, I can get behind this. I I don't necessarily think that Hardman has this number two role locked up. I think he's going to win the number two role, but I don't think it's a gimme that he a wins it or B keeps it. Uh, so for me, 
Pringle has been one of my big targets. Like 18th round, he was a guy. He went up to 17th round, no problem. He's normally going 16th, 15th round. I'm really still not stopping. So yeah. for me to get that kind of value here in round 17, I, I know we had the Colin Johnson double stack available to us, but I think Pringle's just a significantly better player in a better offense with a better role. And, you know, to, to your exact point kind of about will he, you know, who will win those ancillary um, wide receiver, you know, the, the different roles kind of on the Chiefs. When you have Kelsey, you know, that, that actually kind of enhances that bet on on the Chiefs. We talked about earlier, like being able to kind of secondary stack other other teams. And it's not just for like, oh, when the playoffs get here, I want to have Chiefs. Of course. I mean, who wouldn't want to want to have Chiefs? But it's like throughout the season. I mean, we've seen Tyreek Hill pull the, you know, run the deep route and grab the old hammy, you know, and everybody's assuming that's that's Hardman. But that also benefits Pringle and it definitely benefits Kelsey too, you know, and so just having these different little correlated bets, I like to try to make those little bit of correlated bets outside of just that, that stack, you know, I mean, I like Colin Johnson, obviously I have drafted a lot, a lot of Colin Johnson, but there's not a lot of opportunities for, like you said, where Pringle goes now to be able to latch him onto a team like this. Yeah. All right. So let's take a look at our tight ends. Yep. Now it's tight end time. Yeah. And okay. We got, we got 10 picks. Have you ever taken Kelsey without taking another tight end? And do you ever consider it? No, I have not considered it just because there's normally a guy down here that I'm okay with. So the there, only there reason I bring world, that up there is, is a world where I would not. Yeah. Like if there's a running back here compared to a tight end that you actually like, I'm not saying that there is, but I'm saying um, like, I do kind of like Ty Johnson. I do. Uh, you brought up Tony Jones. I think him and Justin Jackson can, can make some sense. You know, I think there are some backs here where it's, a, it's at least interesting to, to consider standalone Kelsey. There is definitely, it's definitely worth considering. The problem is that there's a guy that I just believe should be drafted like six rounds higher and never is drafted. So pretty sure I know who it is. Cause you gave me shit uh, maybe two months ago or something on a stream when I took Chris Herndon over him. Probably there's a couple guys down there that like I'm okay with. Uh-huh. Um, one of them is kind of like a guy over the last month and a half. I kind of, someone sent me, it was one of those things like I do a tweet and someone sent me a DM with like a really good question. And it makes you think. And this was one where I got a DM being like, if you believe this, why aren't you doing this? And it was like, a, oh, I don't have a good reason. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a lot of the times, like, it's, it's yeah. you know, most of the times they're not good ideas. But this one in particular was just like a really good idea. And I was like, all right, we're going to put that one. We're going to change the rankings right now. And I've done it a few times. And people have just been like, oh, yeah, that look, that makes sense. So, I mean, like, for example, I, I'm not the player I'm talking about. Like, Pat Fairmuth, though, like, I think yeah. he's I think he's worthy of, like, just, you know, Kelsey misses two weeks. I think he's got a big enough role. Like, for example, like, I would not go zero tight end with him on the board. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he goes now. But, like, that sort of situation uh, for me. Um, you know, like, Donald Parham, not the, same, not the guy, but, again, similar situation, right? I think he's got enough upside yep. where it's, like, taking an automatic zero – and leaving yourself susceptible to like two to three weeks of zeros, I think that player is consistently going to be involved enough where it's you know worth taking them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know there certainly are situations where like you know there's only two or three guys that I would consider taking. So for me, Hayden Hurst here is a no brainer. Okay. If I believe that Kyle Pitts is playing as much outside as he's going to this year, and I think he will play a ton outside. That means that Hayden Hurst still has his role from last year totally available to him, right? As the lead blocker, as the lead pass catcher from 
inside the line. And this yeah. is a team that, you know, outside of Calvin Ridley, like Russell Gage, okay, he's more of a slot guy. Um, you know, Zacharias really has never done anything, right? Yeah. And so if they really do play Kyle Pitts a ton outside in the slot, right, and they play Gage more outside or they play Kyle Pitts outside, you can play Kyle Pitts outside as well. That just leaves a ton of playing time available for Hurst, and we've seen the tight end's value in this offense and in, you know, Smith's offenses, right, uh, from Tennessee. Like, he, he mm-hmm. loved the double tight end with John A. and Fersker. So why is Hayden Hurst going completely undrafted? Like, it's not like he's never going to see the field. Yeah, and if something yeah. was to happen to Pitts, oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's like I think he's not sexy to people um, because he's not, Don, you know, he's not 6'8", XFL superstar Donald Parham, you know. He's not whatever. Uh, former first, I mean, O.J. Howard didn't get drafted here, but, you know, you get, you know, he's not new, new guy, Friar Muth. He's not, you know, former uh, first rounder O.J. Howard, whatever. But what he, he, but he was a first round pick, wasn't he? Wasn't he in her? Yeah, first round he was pick? a first round pick out of Oklahoma, I believe. Yeah, yeah. No, that was Mark uh, Andrews. Uh, uh, so, um, is UNC? Where did Hayden Hurst go to school? South this Carolina. Is bother, this is really going to bother me now. I think it's South Carolina. I have to look it up. Mark Andrews was Oklahoma. I think he was South Carolina. We'll find out. You're correct. South Carolina. Right. Um, I knew it was one of the Carolinas. I'll pretend like I was right. I, um, once you said North Carolina, I made me think. I was like, oh, no, wait. He was South Carolina. Yeah. But they uh, traded but a second-round pick for him. Right, exactly, and like he was a bust last year. I I draft. I was drafting him last year because I'm like, okay, you know, there's Julio and Ridley, and now there's this guy who they just traded real real assets for. But it's like we know, like you said, we know there's a role here for this guy. Like it's it's literally just a fact that like we know he has a role. Exactly how big I don't know because it all depends on what you said with with Cal Pitts. How much is he playing in line versus versus split out wide? I agree with you that I feel maybe too confident in how they're going to use Kyle Pitts as borderline a wide receiver. But to your point, that what does that mean? That means Hayden Hurst has like a real role and we're drafting other guys that, that have probably more uncertainty, right? Donald, I like Donald Parham, but like I, he could not touch the field for, for all he could literally never play for, for all that I know. Um, and, and, you know, then you have all the compounding factors about the Falcons, right? Pass, pass first offense, good offensive coordinator, horrible defense. So like, you know, he could, and he has contingent value, right? If Kyle Pitts goes down, Hayden Hurst is playing every single snap, which, you know, I'm not hoping for that, but you know, these are, these are real things. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's rare that you find an, an 18th round tight end that last year had 56 catches for 571 yards and six touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, that is very, that is very true. And no, that's not saying I'm projecting for that again this year, yeah. but like, you know, that's not and terrible. His, and his role probably didn't change. His role probably didn't really even change from last year, right? This I mean, is so one of those times I'm very happy they're not playing Kyle Pitts in the preseason because if they he was playing out wide in these first two preseason games, you know this ADP would have flown up. Yeah, that's really true. We got some other Hayden Hurst truthers in, in here. So you're supposed to be bringing like the hot takes that everybody disagrees with, and you're dropping these 18th round nuggets. All right, well, I got, like, I got one more 18th round nugget. I got okay, one more. Right. Not not a fit for a Travis Kelsey team, and this is more on 20. Um, round leagues, but I have done it on a couple of these 18 rounders. Uh, 11 of 12 first round picks, backups are drafted by round 11 or 12. The one who's backup who is never drafted is Travis Kelsey's in Noah Gray, yep. who is getting rave reviews in camp. So he is a late round flyer that I love to take. Uh, I, I he's, he's a guy like, it's got to be the right context. It normally is Darren Waller, George Kittle, uh, Pitts, 
mm-hmm. um, it, that those sorts of things, or ones where I have punted the position and I'm using three, like I'm going yep. 16, 17, 18. But you know, God forbid something happens to Travis Kelsey, and let's be honest, I'm way overexposed to Travis Kelsey. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, at least I would very much like to be overexposed to the guy who's going to take. You know, he's not going to be Travis Kelsey, but like. What's the where would you know where would Noah Gray go if Travis Kelsey was out for seven weeks right now? Thirteenth round, fourteenth round? That's value, right? And again, you know, not every single team can win the million dollars. So I'm trying to build a portfolio of teams that give me as much upside as possible. And having Noah Gray among that, I just think is required. Right, Travis Kelsey. I have a t- I, like you, same as you. I'm overexposed to Travis Kelsey because I think he's the I think he's one of the the best picks, one of the right picks for how I want to build my teams. However, it's like in, in DFS, um, I can't, in, but let's use baseball as an example. I can really like X pitcher, right? Uh, <laughs> the people, if anybody is from Add More Funds that is listening, they'll know Tyler Anderson was my guy, right? Uh, now Pirates, former Rockies, former ga- total gas can bum pitcher, right? Seattle Bears. But yeah, I was a I was a believer and still am a believer in in Tyler Anderson. Um, but I can also at the same time believe that right he's facing whatever team the Brewers he he can have upside. But if if something goes wrong for him, the opposite side can have upside. Like we do this for running backs, we even somewhat do this for wide receivers. But we're not doing it for the thirty two year old tight end who is like who last year was like the league winner of all league winners and had back right? issues. Yeah, exactly. So I got convinced. I had taken zero Noah Gray. And uh, maybe two weeks ago, I do every Tuesday, we do the draft reviews here where people post their. See, like these people are all sharper than me. This is why I do this content, is because all these people come in and they give me the ideas and I just get to steal them. But somebody posted that exact thing. I think he did a three punt tight end. So it was like Cole Komet, Parham, Noah Gray, or something, you know, something like that. And I was like, holy shit, that is brilliant. I'm like, you know, you just flipped the tight end thing on on its head with, you know, and the right kind of guys, some breakout guys, and then the the leverage on Travis Kelsey. And I was like, I got to do this. So I like that afternoon, you know, I draft like two, two Noah, Noah Gray teams, but I think it makes perfect sense. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I guess like, it's not going to probably, guess what? It's probably not going to work out. Hopefully Travis Kelsey's healthy, but yeah, you know, right. also too, something we haven't discussed and a lot of people I obviously discussed anywhere is like, the season's a week closer to the playoffs. What if the Chiefs are, you know, fifteen and one and have it all figured out? Yeah, like and yeah. Yep. Kelsey's back sore, you know, and he's your third yeah. tight end just chilling there. You, you you're advancing because you've made a couple other good picks, and now you get like a stud, like a, a good tight end option that would probably go like be a best ball or like DFS value for a chance to win a million dollars. Like, okay, cool. Yep. Yeah, I mean, if if some that that, that is a uh, an interesting way to think about it, and I, I find myself on those thoughts every once in a while, and then I but I don't remember enough. You just become a robot sometimes in some of these drafts that I don't put them into action. But I totally agree. It's like, I mean, the Chiefs could absolutely the Chiefs might be better than last year. Um, I think they probably are better than than last year. Like you said, who's to say that that week that championship round of Best Ball Mania two matters to the Chiefs? In which case. Yeah, I, like, I always like to co- put things in DFS terms because it helps me understand like 
what's valuable and what isn't, you know, what's a good play, what's a good fade, whatever. And like, I'm envisioning Noah Gray as the absolute stone chalk. And like, you know, he is in everybody's cash game lineup and, you know, he's 70% owned in tournaments because he's 3k and Travis Kelsey is sitting out in that week. And you're like, do you want that guy on your your team that has a chance to win a million dollars? Like, yes, yes, I do. Yes. I would really like to have that on my team in the 18th or 20th round. Yeah, you know, it's not like the Chiefs never use their their tight end too. I, I every time they need a big third down, they run the same play. They run the bootleg right. The backup tight end sneaks out to the left side towards the sideline. Mahomes pivots. He throws it back. The guy's wide open every time. He gets seven yards. He walks out of bounds. He goes and sits back on the bench. Like so, like you know, I'm not saying that like two fantasy points is good, but you know, maybe like he gets a touchdown on that play and it's eight yeah. points. And suddenly, you know, like, you know, someone's gotten hurt and those eight points can make make or break a season. And for the 18th round, like, eight, eight points is good. Like, 18th round guys suck. I think we learned yeah. that last year. Like, 18th round players suck. And so, like, stop taking Joe Schmo. Like, I was probably guilty as this last year. Like, I, I, who was that Ravens or uh, that Redskins slot guy who everyone thought was going to play? Like, Steven Sims, I think? Steven Sims. Yeah, Steven Sims. And, uh, it's just like I took so much of him, and then it's like by week two, you're like, this guy's a scrub. He's never gonna play. Like, or and for, Trent Taylor for me was the, like I was really high on Trent Taylor, and it was just like, you know, he was winning the job, then he got hurt again, and then like the 49ers offense was terrible. And it was like, well, this was stupid. I took a slot guy in the 18th round. Like, I didn't even give myself like ceiling. What the hell were you doing? Yep. So lesson learned. <laughs> like like taking Adam Humphreys this year, right? It's like okay, yeah. I get I get what you're what you're doing. Like okay, he's going to play the slot. I'm, I'm bullish on this offense, but like let's take a step back for a second. Josh Reynolds, think, of, think about the think about the goal of what we're trying to do here. I'm trying to finish first out of almost two hundred thousand people. And on what planet does Adam Humphreys ever <laughs> ever help me get there? You know what I mean? Like you mentioned the the just like random little spike that you get from a super cheap player. Like it's not the same thing, and I, I try not to you know, promote this kind of thinking too much. But if you do look back at the team that Justin Herzig won last year, Kendrick Bourne was like basically a stone zero for him all year. And he caught a Hail Mary to, to, to advance him to the championship, I think, whatever. So 10 points, right. Or, you know, it was like 10 points or something like that, that Kendrick Bourne scored as his last round pick. And like that, that literally ended up winning him $200,000 because he needed that. Why can't Noah Gray catch yet, you know, catch, three balls for 20 yards and a touchdown. And you just so happen to need him, you know, in that, in that week to give you that little bit of added boost. So I, I think uh, I'm, I'm happy that we talked about a lot of these different things because this, yeah, it's funny. It's Jack makes such a good point. Like we, we were promised the siege, the siege hot takes. And you I think we actually last stumbled week, If you on. had me last week, you have been good to go. <laughs> week, is, week late. That, yeah, that is, that is true. I also uh, was giving out tons of horrible takes uh, a week ago before the Rams, you know, before the Rams made moves and before ETN uh, got hurt and all sorts of, so, sorts of fun stuff. I, but, I, uh, I, it's like, I was in July, like I, I did a list of Rams candidates and Sonny Michelle was like second on the list, like right behind the dream candidate of Melvin Gordon, right? Like right yeah. behind it. With, with Sony Michelle, and then I still kept drafting Daryl Williams Henderson because it's like if Sony Michelle's there, I'm like whatever, he's gonna be the Malcolm Brown, and now it looks like oh no, like <laughs> looks like they might have been higher on him than even I was, and I was just like yeah. oh this isn't great, but I was like yeah. thank God, thank God he was like an eleventh round pick in Best Ball Mania, so I didn't like add any shares there for game theory, um, you know so. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things where the game theory definitely have saved. It's definitely saved me from a couple of uh, mistakes so far 
Well, not mistakes, yeah. but just like injury luck. Yeah, same. I totally agree. All right, this was awesome. You you did the opposite of what everybody expected and provided us with actually uh, really highly actionable, really 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 good stuff. You got my, you even got me me thinking, and even I was like, oh no, let's take Tannehill, and then we ended up on a better team than than we would have if I was just being a robot and being and being lazy. I think this was this was awesome. Um, we're running a little bit of bit over time. So I do want to ask you like, what do you, so what do you, what do you got going on? What's coming? You know, what are you guys doing over the, are you still working MLB? What are you doing for NFL leading up to this? Yeah. So still doing MLB over elite fantasy, uh, best ball basically is my life. Uh, it's funny. Like I don't do a ton of best ball content, which is really nice. It's kind of like my own baby, but I, I'm sure I'm going to put up my rankings on the site here momentarily. I think well, as soon as I finally, the problem is I finished the rankings and then like four different pieces of NFL news change. And I'm like, well, now I got to test these again, right? I got to go after some puppies and I got to test them and make it work. I've been trying this for a month and a half to get the rankings up. We'll see if it ever happens. Uh, but yeah, um, Siege Mentality Podcast, Apple, uh, Apple, you can definitely download there. Uh, my mom was a guest last time. That was fun. Um, so if, if you haven't listened to that one, if that one's gotten rave reviews, probably not because I was on it. So, <laughs> um, I checked that out, but yeah, you can get that Apple and anywhere you get your podcast. That's probably the best thing to promote. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So this, this was great. If you are, uh, a Dustin, thank you for, for subscribing. And I like your picture of, of a dog, you know, you'll, I think you'll fit in. I think you'll fit in well around here. Um, that's it for that's it for today. Tomorrow, I'm going to be doing at this exact same time a draft on Drafters, um, another one of the platforms that you know exists out here for best ball. Um, we're working with them, and I'm pretty excited about some of the drafts and the the you know, different things that we can do on a on kind of a, another site, right? Giving us another option besides just underdog draftings, FFPC. Thank you for reminding at, me to at, check my Drafter slow drafts. Yeah, see, there you go. See, this this was just overall helpful for everybody today. This is a good use of an hour. The only other thing I will promote is um, I'm going to be putting it out there here in just a little bit tomorrow at 5 p.m. I promise the time is actually going to be right on the thumbnail for this one. Uh, tomorrow at 5 p.m. I'm going to be joined by Evan Silva of Establish the Run and we're doing a big dog draft on on underdog. Um, a big dog with the big dog, I guess, is, is, is what it's going to be. So um, tomorrow you'll get to see my ugly mug twice. But until then, I will catch you guys tomorrow. Shout out to Siege. Shout out to Dustin and his dog. And I will talk to you guys.